Well, the good thing about making Major League money is uh, you can afford the best luggage on the market. So I hope Oscar Mercado uh, has a really good set of luggage because Cleveland designated him for assignment today, and they called up Alex Call. That's the second time this year that Oscar Mercado has been uh, designated for assignment with Cleveland, and he you know, might be on his way somewhere else. This is Guardians of the Future. I'm Justin Latta, joined by Willie Hood. Willie, what's the first? Would you would you have good luggage on hand if you were if you were? Uh, I don't know. I, I guess I can't say Oscar Mercado's a millionaire. He's probably not, but uh, I would think he has got some good luggage handy. I have a backpack that I usually use when you have a large family like I do. Um, oh yeah. Everybody else has better uh, supplies than me, and I usually would use my backpack if we were to go on a trip. Uh, we did last year and. Let's just say my luggage just held a couple of days worth of stuff. It was the bare minimum. Well, good thing you haven't been DFA twice in, I don't know, three three times, I guess, when I count his original one in Cleveland uh, a few weeks ago, and he made it to Philadelphia for a couple of games. But I uh, wish Oscar Mercado the best. We'll see what happens to him. Uh, short trip back. I think he had one plate appearance. So uh, Interesting journey for him this year. Hope, hope he never really unpacked a suitcase because that's a tough way to be. Uh, it's a tough way to live. And uh, we'll see where he ends up. Um, very quickly, we'll get to the Alex call call up this week. That was uh, the big news here on, on Monday, July 11th. Uh, Jose Ramirez, Emmanuel Classe, and Andres Jimenez are the Cleveland All-Stars this year. If you've been living under a rock and haven't been paying attention, um, no, I, I guess I shouldn't say no surprises because I guess Andres Jimenez, I expected he was going to be like the last guy off the list. I thought I didn't think he'd make it. I think we knew Jose would. Unfortunately, didn't get voted as the starter. But um, I, I kind of thought Jimenez was, I want to say snub because there were a lot of deserving guys. But um, I really thought for sure he was deserving, but was probably going to be left off the list. Yeah, of of the three that made it, I thought Jimenez would be the last one if he made it. So I'm pleasantly surprised that he made it, and I was living under a rock because I'd been working on the run most of the day, so I hadn't heard the news until just before this recording. Yeah, I'm glad we can get you up to speed, Willie. That's good. So That's why we're here. That's why we're here. That's why. The thing all the things cool, we can talk dark about. Places, it. Justin. You know, I like living there. So. <laughs> Like Patrick, right? <laughs> um, think of all the things we could do on the show. If you just come in blind and you don't know anything, I could just break all kinds of interesting bits of news to you and just get your your blind reaction to a lot of stuff. That could be if really fun. If I hadn't read the segment. rundown first, I wouldn't have known. Oh, well, there you go. So it's a good thing I came up with that very last minute. Um, well, I mean, I it is we last week, so my mind's been elsewhere. <laughs> That's true. Your your mind is very far away from the major leagues. Your mind is uh, on the fields. Uh, well, I guess college isn't playing anymore. Either. They're not are playing anymore, but uh, your mind is on the next set of guys who will be, call, be able to call themselves pro baseball players. Hmm. Um, let's get through our minor league stuff, and then we'll, we'll probably have the back half of the show be all draft focused. So hoping for a good 50-50 split. We'll see how the conversation goes. Um, before we get too far gone, again, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, this is your first time listening or Someone told you about us, or I don't know, whoever you might have heard about the Guardians of the Future podcast. 
Uh, be sure to subscribe. We record once a week um, during the summer when there's baseball going on, maybe less than once a week in the off season, but we're usually here. We usually focus on the minor league side of the Cleveland guardian system. We venture into the draft when it becomes that time of the year with uh, all of Willie's expertise. And we occasionally have writers on from the rest of our site covering the affiliates. So be sure to subscribe, leave us a review. If it's not five stars, tell us why we're not worth five stars. At least give us some constructive criticism and make sure you're checking out the site guardians, baseball insider.com. Uh, that takes care of most of that. Uh, for now, this. we'll get into more stuff. <laughs> Sorry for jumping in there, Justin. I'll, I'll say this. Nope. If you are going to, subscribe july is the month to to subscribe because you get to read all of the draft content you get to read the player profiles from earlier in the year from our rankings and you get introduced to all of these new players all of the mocks all of the background information so to speak if you subscribe for one month subscribe for the month of july i'm not one to self-promote or to really ever mention that to anyone but um I personally have had some struggles in my life and I could afford $5 for one month, but I couldn't afford it every single month. So I get it. But if, if now, or I'm sorry, if there's a time to subscribe, now is the time to do it. You know, if you need to cancel at a later time, do that. But I encourage everyone to hop on and uh, subscribe for the month of July if you can. Yeah, four ninety nine a month. And yeah, you can go back and read all of our our gated content from earlier in the year and then whenever really, and you can definitely you know cancel when the month is up. Um, you know, there's no commitment to to pay a certain amount. It's four ninety nine a month, and um, all of our prospect scouting reports for the system are behind the paywall, so you get that, and then uh, all of Willie's good draft content. So all all the right the right time to do that kind of stuff and. Like Corley said, just five bucks for one month. It, it's a good time to do it if you're not familiar with the site. And uh, maybe you'll like what you see and, and you'll get to see some more game reports. You know, most of our game reports from other affiliates are, are behind the paywall as well for five bucks. So you get to see how guys are doing at different affiliates, uh, check out their velocity readings and uh, get quotes from the coaches and players themselves as well. That's kind of access you don't get anywhere else either. But uh, yeah, give it a try. If you're going to give it a try now is definitely the time to do it. Um, especially, you know, and that's the thing. None, none of us are making money off this for real. This is all fun and games for the most of us. And uh, it's a hobby. You know, puts some gas. Yeah, it's a hobby, and it puts gas in our tanks. You know, once a month, it buys us a, a tank of gas or something like that. So no, we're not no, getting rich off this. Gas. <laughs> yeah, I guess I got to stop saying that. I guess that's not totally accurate. Okay, it buys. Uh, it buys a slushy. There you go. It buys you a slushy. It'll buy Willie and his kids a slushy. Uh, uh, not all of them. Willie puts in. <laughs> Even the price I'll, of slushies are going to be The kids can get slushy. <laughs> okay. Even even the slushies are, are going up in price right now. Um, how about Nolan Jones's first weekend, Willie? I don't know how much you got to see. I'm sure you heard enough, but uh, home run, a couple hits in his first uh, weekend in, in Kansas City. I know we weren't. Uh, he, the move didn't come when we were on podcasting last week, but um, kind of surprised by the timing of the call up, but also not super surprised because it looks like Oscar Gonzalez is going to be out for a while. So there was definitely a need, but um, good first weekend for him. And, and I'm not surprised by what I saw from him because he drew some walks. Uh, he had a home run he hit for some power. He threw a guy out at the plate with a big out with his arm. And uh, he took a called strikeout looking. So I think Nolan Jones did about everything 
that you would probably see from him in the first weekend. So that very rarely do you see like all of a player's skills and, and tools on display in his uh, like first three games. But I think you saw just about everything you're going to see from Nolan Jones the first weekend. That's, that's pretty rare. And it's good to see from him considering his, uh, his path to the majors and his skill set. Yeah. Um, I was sitting there thinking, and, and I watched video of, of all of those games. Um, so I was able to see exactly what you were pointing out on Jones. It struck me like, did he really get a call up? Cause he's still doing the same thing he was doing before. Nothing's changed for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I know that doesn't happen too often. Yeah. Uh, but it was just business as usual with Nolan um, this weekend, which is very encouraging. And, you know, I'll throw this in there, too. What a heck of a week for me to pick him to be the player of the week. Uh, does that count? Okay, none of his games came in the minor leagues this week. So, technically, I don't think you should get credit for those. I, I think I games should. Came in the minor. We'll, have to, we'll have to let the, the subscribers or the listeners decide that one, Justin. All right, I'll put out a Twitter poll. I don't – I. None of those stats came in Columbus. I mean, if you want to say a call-up or his major league debut and obviously had a good weekend, if you want to say that counts, I mean, that's – we're getting really picky here. But I, I say fine, yeah, well, getting the call and performing like he did, it, it counts, in my opinion. But Well, if that counts, we can just give you the win now because I, I don't have anybody I could have picked to, to compare to that. So that's just unfair. Now I'm just going to start picking the next guy I think is going to be called up every week just to see if there he wins. Go. Or gets called out. I should have. I should have picked Alex Call. Maybe I'll pick Alex Call this week. He hasn't played yet. Um, not a great weekend in Kansas City. Uh, Cleveland lost two or three. The bullpen another rough night in, on Friday. Um, Sunday, obviously, uh, not a great game. They lost that game. Things kind of fell apart and got ugly there. They got swept last week in Detroit. As we finished the week, and man, this is a. Um, I don't want to call anything a big series for them, Willie, because we just talked about how that homestand was so big for them after that, that um, you know, the twins walk off and all that kind of stuff, how they were playing. But it feels like they really could use a good week here between the White Sox and the Tigers come to town before the All-Star break. It just seems like, you know, if they go into the All-Star break and they kind of look lackluster and they're struggling to score and the bullpen's blowing games, I, it just seems like it's a bad omen to go in the All-Star break like that. So they could really use kind of a pick-me-up week as the as the break gets here finally, I think. Yeah, you never want to go into the All-Star break kind of coasting or middling o- along. And it's been a, a definite long week, should I say 10, 10 days or 10 games or so for them, it seems. Um, hopefully this next week turns things around a little bit when – a game or two more, you know, come back on the positive side of the of the 500 in the rankings because they're one game under right now. So hopefully they can capture a couple of the games back and then come back from the break refreshed and see where we go toward the trade deadline. Yeah, that's going to – well, I guess I shouldn't say that's going to impact things a lot because it probably won't. They'll probably make the same trades whether they're in it or out because they're not going to be acquiring any rentals most likely, and I don't think it's going to affect them a ton, so we'll see. But yeah, you definitely would like to see them have a little bit more positive momentum going in the second half because that, I don't know, ever since that, uh, yeah, that home stand against the Yankees, things have been pretty ugly for them and, and the Red Sox series even. So um, they definitely need a move back in the right direction. 
Um, let's get into Alex Call real quick. Mercado, like I said, was DFA, and then uh, Alex Call is up. I'm surprised to see this. I mean, I'm, I'm very happy for Alex Call, 27 years old. He's going to make his major league debut uh, possibly this week. You know, does I, I said he does a lot of things very well, nothing great. You know, he he has some pop in the bat. He plays a decent outfield, all three spots, although he's probably better in a corner. He's got a good arm. Um, he can run a little bit. Just, you know, very a guy who can do, I would say, what, a bunch of 40, 45 tools across the board, maybe a couple 50s. Very, yeah. I don't know. I guess that means he should be higher in our rankings than he has been. But um, I guess given that he's 27, nobody really knows how that's going to pan out at the big league level. And he seems like a bench bat. But, you know, good for him. I'm, I'm just kind of surprised he's getting his chance, but I'm glad to see he's getting it. Yeah. And, and I think part of his position and ranking says more about um, is more about his future position with the organization or whether there is one or not. Um, Frankly, this could be another Justin Garza situation where you bring in somebody they perform for the year and then they're cut at the end of the season or included in a trade or something like that at a later point, uh, a, a minor trade or something like that at a later point. Um, but I think there's potential to be at least a platoon bet there and maybe a fourth, fifth outfielder type. But I don't see him every day as a center fielder, though he can man the position. Um, right field and left field. There's plenty of arm for that and right-handed pop. So, um, you know, it, it's just, to me, I think a question of, hey, we've seen what Mercado is, and we're going to move on and see what Call has at the major league level. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, I think the only difference between the two is that Mercado is a better pinch, probably a better, better runner probably better defender in center field. And that's kind of where it ends. I think call might have a chance to do everything else um, a little bit better. And he's not slow by any means and he's not a bad outfielder. Just Mercado, I guess is, is pretty good at both of those things. And call is probably mm -hmm. average. So yeah, a lot of average tools across the board or, or fringe average, which is pretty good. So he'll, he'll get a chance. And like you said, he might, you know, might be Justin Garza situation where he performs and fills a spot for a few weeks and then, um, is replaced, but you know what? He's deserving of the chance. I think given where they are on the roster, I know some people were saying, well, why isn't this Will Brennan? Because they really, you know, they really wanted a right-handed uh, yep. outfielder off the bench clearly. Cause they have Quan and, and Jones and, and um, I got well straws, a right-handed hitter, but yeah, you've got mostly left-handed hitters, Josh Naylor and Andre Semenez, very left-handed heavy team. So a right-hander to balance all that out. And um just a guy who can do some different things. And maybe that means we stop seeing Ernie Clement in left field too, but I guess do that's why see, I thought I was going to uh, Do you see Nolan Jones getting every day at bats right now? Yeah, hard to think that he'll be on the bench at all. I mean, I guess, who do you – I gosh, are they going to put Ernie Clement in left field and Stephen Kwan in right field to, to platoon Nolan Jones? I would think not, but – I'm sure you'll see that like at some point, or maybe you put Colin left and Quan in right. I guess that's how that might go. Yeah. I, th I think you get that shift there and call might step in for Jones. If they're worried about him against better left-handed pitching. Um, it, it just strikes me as that's more of their thing is possibly using him in a platoon role with either Quan or Jones. And I think Jones has the potential to be an everyday bat just because of his approach at the plate, even if it's a left-hander on the mound, um, he will work counts and will work walks. I think he's even got a few more 
hit by pitches this year uh, than than what is typical would be in, in this uh, short of a season for him. Yeah, I I don't think that they should platoon him at all. But you know, against a very tough lefty, I guess you'll see him maybe get a breather. Plus, he does need days off. And I guess Alex Call. Not, and again, this is not we've said in the past. This is not an Ernie Clement, you know, bashing. But you know, I'd rather see Alex Call or Nolan Jones play against a left-hander than Ernie Clement in left field. I think that's not that's putting Clement out of position. So this is either way. I think it works out for them, but. Yeah, Jones works the count enough and will work walks against left-handers enough to be competitive even if he doesn't hit them um, very well. So we'll see how long calls call up lasts. But, um, you know, always fun to see a guy like that make their debut because obviously it's been a, a bunch of years in the making. He's been around a while and um, is an older player. And, you know, sometimes you get to that age, you think it's never going to happen or your time has passed. And I didn't think – I didn't even think there's this situation really warranted – uh, or what not warranted, but would be the best fit for him to make his his call up. I thought, you know, they might trade him to a team that really needs him, and he'd make his debut there. So this is nice to see for him, and he's really put a lot of work into cut down on a strikeout rate. You know, he struck out almost thirty percent of the time when he came to Cleveland uh, from Chicago, and he did his first year in twenty nineteen. And what's most impressive is that you know he had that everybody missed twenty twenty, and he comes back in twenty twenty one, and he cuts the strikeout rate like in half. And yeah, he's older for the, for double A at that point. And then he gets to triple A, does the same thing. So that's a that's a big improvement to make, especially considering the lost season. So uh, this is absolutely yeah, well deserved for Alex Call, regardless of anything else. Absolutely, I think it's a nice reward for a player that's put in the time, so to speak. Um, you know, and I think it's a hey, let's have a look at a player inside of our organization, um, even if it's a short window with him. Uh, whereas you had Mercado in the organization and you knew what he was. Yes, they claimed him, they brought him back. And there's a good chance that Mercado ends up back in Columbus. You know, um, he did make it to the Phillies the last time. And I don't know if there's other organizations beyond that, that beyond the Phillies and the standings that are going to be looking for an outfielder right now. But uh, being designated for assignment three times in one season is pretty telling of where a player's value lies, I think. Um, so I think there's a, a good chance he ends up back in Columbus with the organization. And, and if I'm not mistaken, he may be able to become a free agent after being designated first time at three times. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure that works. You're right. There is something to that, but I would think that he'll probably just, I don't know if he has enough service time to even refuse the assignment if it happens. So I would bet someone will claim him to be honest. I don't see why they would. There's a need. So he's a, he's definitely a major league bench outfielder. So I think somebody, We'll end up with him somewhere. Um, clearly, this team needs bullpen help. I was going to write down a bigger conversation about this, but I don't think we have time to get into it today. But um, the problem is, that I, I don't think there's any bullpen help coming from Columbus like we thought. You know, I don't think Nick Mikolacek has not been the same this year, and um, Nick Enright's been okay. I don't think he's quite ready for the call. Uh, Tim Heron was great in Akron, and he's had a hard time with his control in AAA, and that's to be expected sometimes. But um, I just don't think there's any bullpen help coming from Columbus like we thought we we hoped there'd be for the team this year. And um, if they're going to acquire <clears throat> bullpen help in 2022, um, I think it's going to have to come from outside the organization. So I just don't see anybody from Columbus uh, being next on the list in terms of long-term answers. I mean, you might see some guys in the short term just because that's how it always works. But 
as far as, you know, hopeful long-term answers, I don't see any, you know, in 2022 unless some things change very quick. Uh, I think that depends on what they decide to do with Cody Morris. He is the one arm. We've talked a lot about Carlos Vargas. I think they should continue to run him out there as a starting pitcher. If he, if he develops into a number three, so be it, you know, get that option back because he lost time to injury and develop him mm-hmm. as a starting pitcher. I think he could be high level setup, potential closer. Um, but why not, you know, run his options in the ground, so to speak, um, of being a starting pitcher. So I, I think Cody Morris might be a, a potential arm in the pen if they go that route, if they think that's the best route for him. And I suspect that's probably the route that they take. Outside of him, maybe Adam Scott if his season turns around for him, but I'm not seeing it. Frankly, it's Oof. probably going to have to be a starting pitcher becoming um, a reliever in the short term. Yeah, things have not been good for him since the move to the bullpen. He has completely kind of fallen off the map since last season, unfortunately. Really thought <clears throat> things were going to be better for him after his jump last year, but it seems like maybe um, the jump was because he hadn't pitched a lot of innings last year. But, yeah, things have really fallen off for him. Also wanted to go back and, and circle back on one quick thing before we move on. But I had a tweet yesterday that talked about how um, Andre Semenez made the all-star game, but Francisco Lindor did not, and Emmanuel Classe did, and Corey Kluber did not. He had nothing to do with um, who the better player is or what they did for Cleveland, what they're doing now, and, and slandering anybody's past um, contributions to Cleveland or any team. All, I, all my point was timing is everything. You know, Andre Semenez is having a breakout season this year. Francisco Lindor has has played okay this year. He's in spurts, but he has not been as good a hitter as he was in Cleveland. And obviously, Corey Kluber is in the, um, I don't want to say twilight of his career, but he's definitely not in the prime anymore. So Cleveland, clearly, when they made those trades, obviously, it was about not paying for They weren't going to pay Francisco Lindor. Um, I'm just saying it, it, it was good timing when they moved Kluber, and they certainly traded Lindor at a time where they could get value out of him. And, and obviously Andre, Andre Simenez is an all-star and uh, worked out very well for him. It's nothing to do with, with bashing any certain player. Uh, just, you know, like I said, it's about timing. They made the trade at the time where they got value out of those players and it, it put value back in the organization. That's the only thing that tweet was highlighting. I know a lot of people took that out of context. So I just wanted to, to clear that up because it kind of bothered me that people thought I was ripping other players or I was shilling for the team. I, just saying, timing matters, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll say um, never struck me that way, Justin. Having talked to you on a daily basis, I have that relationship with you. I know that that's not the way that you work with the players. Um, I, I know that you respect them and you respect the organization. And, and I didn't. I personally didn't think anything of any of that, frankly. Um, it's, yeah, uh, some people just took it, it that way. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you read something, and that's the thing about social media that kills me, is you read something, you read words on a page, so to speak, or on a screen, and on your phone, tablet, whatever it is, and there are words you don't see the, the thought processes, you don't see the personality behind it. Um, I've said things sarcastically that I think even you misunderstood. Uh, you hate to get into this discussion, um, but I mentioned somebody showcasing it uh, a year ago, and you no. said showcasing isn't a thing. And I, I hate to bring that one back up, but you said showcasing isn't a thing, and I, I said it sarcastically. 
you didn't know I was saying it sarcastically and said, until I said, hey, I'm being sarcastic here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just prove Willie is a better friend than I am. That's what we're, that's what we're pointing out right now. <laughs> He's better at interpreting my context than I am interpreting his context. That's where we're at right well, now. Well, I, I think my humor can be a little dry or square sometimes, but <laughs> I, I laugh, no, so it makes me happy. I will try to do better. Um, I hope everybody who took that my tweet to uh, offense that I was ripping anybody or I was even shilling for the organization. I hope you if, didn't see that either way. And if you don't understand context, um, it, it always helps to say, hey, what do you mean? That's true. Well, we don't have time for that on social media. Let's be real. <laughs> you got to go. You got to go one way or the other way. There's no time. Go for the throat. There's no time for that. Um. Sandy Leone, I wanted to bring this up real quick. Sandy Leone got uh, designated for assignment with um, Austin Hedges coming back the other day, and he cleared waivers, and he's in Columbus now. So the catching situation in Columbus is um, Sandy Leone, Bo Naylor, obviously. Um, Gavin Collins is still there, and David Fry was just starting to get spots, start to catcher. Um Very, I don't want to say concerned, but it's very weird that all the four of those guys are in Columbus – I really don't know what's going to happen now. It feels like that's going to that's going to eat into David Fry's chances at catcher, uh, considering he hasn't caught most of the year. I think that's kind of annoying. He's another player that is he going to get an opportunity or a cup of coffee with the organization because he showed some nice power this year. Yeah, I just I just think it has to be as a guy who can play first or third and catch. I don't think it's yeah. anything. He has to have that catcher component in his game in order to make, in order to be a valuable bench piece. And if Santa Leone's going to eat into that, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. And when they traded um, JC Mejia uh, and acquired him as a player to be named later, he was announced as a catcher, you know, uh, the trade was announced as acquiring a catcher. um, And then he didn't play until recently, until the last few weeks. Um, That, that surprised me a little bit that he didn't get the climate catcher. Um, I knew the versatility was there, but, you know, I I think player value wise, he needed that time and still needs that time as a catcher. I see why they would keep Leon around. Um, Frankly, I've banged the table for a long time that they need another catcher in the organization. And I'll stand by that. You either need to extend hedges or upgrade the position uh, with a long-term piece. And and that can be somebody that can end up being Bo Naylor's backup in the future, because I think that's, that he's the the starting catcher of the future for the organization, but you still have to have that bridge, as I've said multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll say I hope it doesn't cut into Fry's playing time, but um, I don't know. It's just weird. It's a, it's a crowded situation. Um, the, I can't remember was uh, the future were the futures game rosters announced last week when we we talked. Um, Valera and Noel are no, no okay, we were so guessing who, were, who was going to be on there. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't guess Noel. I don't know if you did either. I don't think you did, but I know I didn't. And um, that was the only guys they got. So I guess I'm not surprised by Noel, considering um, you know Noel's not a top 100 prospect anywhere. Which, which a lot of times this game is full of top 100 guys. You know, mm-hmm. even if they're not playing that well, and he's he's playing fine, obviously. But um, the two things that this game loves, they love guys that can throw 100. They love guys that can hit the ball a long way. So uh, John Kenzie Noel fits fits one of those bills. So. I guess I'm not surprised by that selection. I really did think that they would get a pitcher in there by by some form. I really thought Bo Naylor would make it, but 
Um, I guess they didn't want to go with him back to back years. I don't know. I was just kind of surprised. What's odd was I think you mentioned uh, Young Kenzie Noel before you and I actually started the podcast as a potential um, addition to that roster, and then when it came when it came time for it, Justin, you dropped the ball. I hate I to be that so guy. That doesn't count. Comments. Yeah, doesn't count. Doesn't you dropped the ball, man. I did. Doesn't count. Didn't say on the air. There's no record of it happening. I don't even remember saying that. So, um, I, I think you do. Therefore, it happened. So, okay. Thank you for your belief, and that I sometimes know what I'm talking it, about. <laughs> um, Cody Morris and Ethan Hankins. You talked about Cody Morris. They're going to make their debuts this week. Cody Morris is going to pitch tomorrow. Ethan Hankins, I believe, is Saturday, and uh, Cody Morris is supposed to pitch again on Sunday. I, something I noticed this week too was. Um, all, all the affiliates right now are kind of on five-man rotations. Usually they've been on six-man rotations, and now we're in July, and they're all on five, so that's really interesting. Um, we'll see what they do with Cody Morris. I I would be – I think they'll they'll build him back up as a starter. I, 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 do, I do think that's going to happen because you don't want to know what. Columbus doesn't have Tobias Myers anymore. They don't have Kirk McCarty. Um, so Connor Pilkington is the only um, – pitcher in Columbus on the 40 man roster was starting experience this year at this point. They've so. lost a, a lot of depth in the last few weeks. Uh, Yo, Johan Ramirez, uh, yeah. Ian Gwalt, McCarty and uh, Tobias Myers. Yeah. Well, pitching depth is, it uh, doesn't exist, right? That's what we've always, that's what everybody says. Doesn't exist. So yes. yeah, I, yeah, I would imagine they are going to build Morris. Yeah, I, I think that they're going to build him back up as a starter just for that reason, because they're going to need it. I would like to see him as a reliever this year. I have concerns about how many injuries he's had at this point. Like you said about building Vargas back up as a starter, I think that's fine because, while I'd like to see him in the bullpen too, um, he's only had the Tommy John surgery, and Tommy John often is not a career ender anymore, and um, he's pitched just fine since coming back. And But Morris, it hasn't been Tommy John. He's had Tommy John, but... He's had shoulder and, and other problems. So that, that's more concerning to me. So the stuff would look good at the bullpen. And then Ethan Hankins, I don't know. Obviously, they'll continue to build him as a starter because this is his first injury as well. I know we had the shoulder issue when he was in high school. But um, I'd imagine we'll see Morris clean things up in Arizona and then get back to Columbus. And Hankins, I would think, will probably... I don't know. I could see Hankins going to Lake County for a couple starts, but I could also see him going straight to Akron. So I'm not sure what will happen there. Um, any thoughts on those guys further before we move on? You know, I wonder if they uh, kind of bridge him through Lynchburg, Lake County, and then on to Akron or something like that, because Lynchburg seems like they need some innings. Um, they sure and, could. Everybody could. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it seems like starting pitching depth is <laughs> – getting thinner and thinner and there's no one to call up in Arizona really anymore at this point. So um, I think anything is possible. Uh, I do think he eventually sees Akron. I don't know that they will transition Morris to the pen right away, but I would not be surprised if he's used in shorter outings, two, three innings, maybe he's used as more of a bulk arm, but with his type of stuff, um, if he is back where he was pre-injury, that's a pretty deadly weapon to have. Um, yeah, the ball type of arm. Yeah, we, I will say we're going to have our, um, I'm going to put maybe tonight or tomorrow morning, I'll put our mid season rankings out before the draft back up on the site. 
uh, Cody Morris did take quite a tumble for us. Um, and, and normally I would say we don't let half a season of anything impact our rankings um, so significantly unless we know something or something major has happened. But I would say all these injuries, I don't know. I think it, you know, we were super high on him. I think he, let's see, he was um, number 11 going into the season. Yeah, he was number 11 going into the season for us. And we kept him at a 45 instead of a 50 because I think the injury risk. But he he fell down the list for us because of uh, another injury. That, that list came out before um, the spring Which training. Which was yeah, that was yeah. his red flag to begin with because he's had this makes his third shoulder injury since being drafted. And uh, pre college, he had Tommy John surgery too. So that makes four arm injuries now. Um, missing half a season and projecting in the future more likely toward being a bullpen arm, he starts to lose value. Um, when you're not projecting him as a, as a closer, then even more so. And, and no fault of his own there. He's not going to be the closer of the future. That's Emmanuel Class A right now. So, um, Not only that, but just not not being 100% certain how healthy he's going to be in yeah. the future, I think, uh, factors into that equation as well. So <clears throat> we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I just want to note Ryan Webb did make his uh, affiliate debut last week in Lynchburg. I think he threw – got into the fourth inning, gave up a couple runs. He was good to the first three innings and then gave up a few runs in the fourth, but – Good to see him get out of Akron and then two in affiliates. That was cool. Tanner Bybee's first start in Akron. I think he had, I want to say, five or six shutout innings. He did pretty good. And then um, heard that Daniel Espino is still a few weeks away. They do expect him to get back to Akron this year or back to, I should say, pitching to an affiliate. I had a nice conversation with um, Rob Serfolio, who is the <clears throat> Guardians uh, director of player development last week. I'll have some stuff coming out in the site in the coming weeks from our conversation uh, last week, but he did say that Spino, they do expect Espino to be back sometime this season and an affiliate. I don't think it's any time super close, but um, I think I would think in the next few weeks, you'll see him again, but they do think he'll be back this season. Um, Joey Cantillo had his skip uh, start. I'm uh, skipping words. Uh, he had his start skipped last week in Akron. He was supposed to uh, do a t- make a tandem start during the doubleheader last week, but he was skipped. Um, as of right now, he is out of Akron. He is not scheduled to pitch this week for Akron. As of right now, I guess that could change. Um, Rugo Sodoro, the Rubber Ducks manager, told our uh, John Elrod that uh, it was just going to be one start and he'll be back next week. And as of right now, that's not the case. I did notice, Willie, that uh, Columbus has two TBAs uh, on their rotation list for the week. So I don't know if he's going to be headed to Columbus to make one of those starts or if something's going on here. But um, as of right now, no start scheduled again this week for Joey Cantil. I hope he's okay. Um, you know, I did point out, other people did point this out as well, that he didn't pitch in 2020, obviously, because of, of COVID. And then he didn't throw a lot of innings last year because of his injury. So not surprised to see his start skipped. Um, I guess two in a row isn't a huge surprise either, but – the fact that Odor did tell one of our guys that he would be back next week and he's not, um, I don't know. I hope he's okay. I would like to like to believe he's going to Columbus and that's why, but um, hopefully everything's okay with him, but that is worth pointing out. I thought. Yeah. I think it's always good to err on the side of caution, especially with these young arms um, guys like Espino and Cantillo, Cantillo um, in particular who have missed that time 
in 2020 and then Cantillo the end, of, well, pitching at the end of last season. Um, you know, we, we'd mentioned, or I think I specifically mentioned him being on a pitch count for most of the year would not be surprising. It could be that, uh, let's hope it is the, what you were saying and there was a potential call up and they just want to get him some extra rest before he goes up. Yeah. He pitched 98 innings, <clears throat> excuse me, 90, almost over a hundred innings in 2019 between low A and high for San Diego. And he's a 57 already. So he's, you know, on, he was on track to make the most pitch, the most innings of his career. Um, his last start four and two thirds, nine strikeouts, one walk, two runs allowed. Um, Nothing major. I think, you know, didn't have any, it didn't come out of the game early. Pitched pretty well. So I had nothing to be concerned about on that end. So we'll see what happens there. Um, <clears throat> wanted to talk real quick about a guy we don't, we haven't mentioned a ton this year, but I know you like him a lot. And he had a great week this past week in Fort Wayne was Angel Martinez. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a couple of homers. He had an 11 pitch at bat where he ended up with a home run in a crazy 11 10 game for the, the captains. Um, Another guy has got to be added to the 40-man roster. I don't know. Again, we still have no idea which of these shortstops is going to survive the 40-man roster come November. But um, Angel Martinez at 20 years old, you know, almost 900. I think it's at 870 or 860 OPS at, at, uh, at Lake County. Um, you know, last year he was good in the first half and faded in the second half. I, I would imagine just, you know, kind of wore down a little bit. First year in, in affiliate ball and you no know, 2020 season to, to fall back on. Uh, so far this year, he's getting stronger as the year goes on. So only getting more impressive is, is Angel Martinez, I think. I would say look at his splits. I haven't looked at his splits this year. He struggled against left-handed pitching last year. Um, but he was also one of the youngest players in in that league and only faced mm-hmm. one pitcher that was younger than him. I remember adding that into the – into his write-up that he only faced one pitcher that was younger than him. I imagine that uh, he is one of the youngest players playing there with Lake County as well um, in that entire league too. Uh, I know PD Halpin's in the same age range, um, but age for level is encouraging with him. He's a guy that has positional versatility, not stuck to shortstop. Obviously, any any shortstop usually isn't stuck to shortstop unless their name well, never mind. I won't mention that guy in the major league roster. <laughs> um, you're talking about splits real quick, Willie. Uh, and yeah, nine nine sixty eight OPS against righties, a six eighty five OPS against lefties. So batting right handed, I, I wonder if at some point you'll see him give up switch hitting because uh, he has not hit the ball very well as a right hander um, this season. You said the same thing last year, so I wonder if there might be a change. At some point there, that's interesting. I didn't. I did not see into that. I know you. I know you mentioned the not facing a pit, only facing one pitcher who was uh, younger, younger than him last year. But I didn't know about the splits. So yeah, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, Maybe so some platoon be... concern, or you know, um, I don't know. I mean, he's got he's got great numbers major. across the board this month. Either way, uh, another guy that I, I continue to be impressed with and who is hard to rank in terms of the system because of the depth and how much talent is there and what his floor is. I don't know. Just a guy that's really hard to peg down right now. But I really I think uh, a major league player that 
uh, a major league player that I think could be a most days player um, with mm -hmm. positional versatility. Yeah, I think there's a really good floor there, but I, I don't know. I'm starting to get more intrigued by the ceiling, but I am more curious about the splits issue as well, um, since you pointed that out. Um, so we'll see. Uh, so I mentioned that we are going to have our updated rankings out on the site. Uh, maybe I'll get that out tonight. I might get it out tomorrow morning. We'll see. i got to link all the um, scouting reports to the players on the new list. Um, and we have some guys that didn't make it on the list before, and they need scouting reports, so I have to look into that as well. But a new top 60 coming from us ahead of the draft, and then, of course, we'll uh, wait till after the trade deadline to re-rank again with the, the drafted players. So be good to, to work off that list once the draft comes around. Speaking of the draft, Willie, um, we're about the 40-minute mark, so we've got about a good 20 minutes here. I know we wanted to do 50-50 split, but um, well, let's we try to dig in on some <laughs> We can. I will. My fiance might kill me if we do. We'll see. Um, you don't have dinner reservations, dude. Not this week. No, not this week. Although we are supposed to grill, although it's a hundred degrees. So grilling, grilling today is an interesting idea. Um, wanted to point out the Royals Braves trade today. The, the Braves acquired what the 35th overall pick Yes. for Drew Waters and a couple other minor leaguers. That is two picks above Cleveland's second pick. Um, oh, that was really interesting. Now that now the Braves have two picks above Cleveland. Obviously, that adds to their draft pool. I'm surprised the Royals did something like that. I'm not really sure what, how that works on their side of things. Uh, Drew Waters is a guy who has kind of fallen in terms of prospect ra uh, rankings and future because of his swing and miss issues. But um, I don't know. I, I would like to see Cleveland give a give a shot at that kind of trade to get like a, a comp pick because, gosh knows, they need to um, clear out some of these guys that got like you know. Not that I would like to see Will Benson go somewhere else, but you know, a Will Benson and um, an Xavier Curry or uh, uh, Hunter Gaddis for for a draft pick. I mean, utilize some of your prospect depth if you're not going to trade it for a major league talent. At least uh, acquire yourself an extra draft pick if you like somebody and add to your pool and you know kick the can down the road on some of these guys. Yeah, and if you do trade away uh, major league talent, you don't have to bring back prospects per se you can bring back draft picks or international money you know i made that point utilizing shane bieber over the weekend um on twitter that hey you could always trade him and go for these other components that essentially reset the clock for prospects um i think it's always a good idea to add to your pool your draft pool or your international pool when you get the um opportunity to do that I don't like seeing Atlanta do it because they got a they, they traded into a spot where they have two picks before Cleveland's pick at 37 now because they have their first round pick and now they have the competitive balance pick but they're also picking up um 2.2 million dollars which can be spread around um and it puts them into a position where they have more money to utilize than Cleveland does uh as far as their entire draft pool it gives them about uh, $250,000 more to utilize. Um, so not a thing that I like to see happen. Yeah. Um, Cleveland, if you haven't seen Willie just had uh, today is, is uh, guardians, uh, 2022 on the draft primer. So he's got where you can see the draft, um, draft philosophy, just recent selections, uh, the top 10 pool money. The guardians have, like you just said, a little under $10 million to play with in the draft this year. Um, they've got, 
21 picks once again. So go read all that. You know, he talks about the most recent picks who are some noteworthy prospects to look at at 16, maybe 37, maybe 54. We'll see how things go. Um, all things fall out. So I don't have everything on the latest mocks, really. I don't know if you want to bring anything up, but I know you guys had um, Cole Young in the most recent mock for Cleveland at 16, you and Jared. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about him real quick, because I don't think we've really talked a lot about Cole Young. I know we didn't last week, so um, real quick, if you want to talk about him, and then we can just identify some targets at 16, you know, the types they go for, and then get some questions before we move on. Sure. Um, Cole Young's a prep shortstop from North Allegheny High School. Uh, he went in our mock. Um, he all, was also in consideration for the Prospects Live mock for us at that pick at 16. Um, somebody who's a pure shortstop, I sent a video link uh, to you and Jared where he did an interview during the um, combine, and they said that he had the second best hit tool uh, to, to Termar Johnson, which is – I, I think an exceptional compliment to his hitting ability and his awareness of the strike zone. Um, I guess the knock on him would be his age because he's right at 19 or, or will be 19 within a few days of the draft. Um, frankly, with the draft being pushed back a month, um, I don't think it, it matters as much. Him being a cold weather player, you would say that there's still development there. And you're already seeing advanced tools. There's the speed, the glove, and the long-term projection to stick at shortstop. I think there's a lot of value there if they if they were to go with him. I know Keith Law said that he doesn't see them in on him. I've seen his name mentioned multiple times um, elsewhere. Uh, there were also rumors that Cleveland was associated with a older prep player who played. Um, well, I'll, I'll say an older prep prep player last year that they were very familiar with, um, who was nearly the same age as uh, Cole Young is. I don't think it's going to be as big a, as a factor um, as it's made out to be. I, I really feel like they're going to look to be opportunistic there at 16. Trying to think of the last cold-weather bat they took in the first round, and I want to say that was Nolan Jones, but I could be yeah. wrong. I, that's Was that the last one? That's who strikes me. Well, um, see, Carson Tucker was from Arizona. Wasn't. Yeah, not a lot of cold weather bad. I guess Jones wasn't the first round pick. He was. Uh, was he a second or a CBA? I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember if it was a second or a CBA at that time. He just got called up. We just spent a lot of time talking about him. So of course we don't know anything. Yeah, about him. Uh, <laughs> Freeman, Tyler Freeman was a CBA pick, but he's from California. Um, Jones was a uh, second-round second pick. Quentin Holmes was a second-round oh. pick. He was from New York. Um, That's right. Let me see. I'm trying to remember who were the second-round picks were in recent years. Uh, Jordis Valdez was from Florida, um, originally from Cuba. So all cold or all warm, all cold weather. Gee whiz. Yeah. <laughs> Jake Fox. Jake weather. Fox is a warm weather bat. Yep. Petey Howell. Yeah, a lot of warm weather bats. So not a lot of cold weather guys. But Nolan Jones is working out. So that's good. Um. All right, so let's let's talk about sixteen tar targets at sixteen. So I have, and you correct me if I have if I'm missing anybody. If anybody really is is more of a possibility than others, but I have uh, Cooper Zerpe and Justin Campbell, who are the college pitchers who would be in play at sixteen. Is there anybody else I'm missing? I think uh, Connor Prelip is a possibility. I've had people ask me about Kum uh, Kumar Rocker. 
Um, nothing about Kumar Rocker more than his agent. It's Scott Boris and Cleveland and Scott Boris typically don't work uh, well with each other or they just have avoided each other's presence. Let's put it that way. Um, hmm. When when you consider that, I think he ends up in a larger market. Just my own speculation there, not rumors or anything like that. I would not be surprised if a team like uh, um, Washington, who I believe has good ties with him, uh, him being Scott Boris, I, I would not be surprised if they went under slot for him at five or, or you know, somebody like the Angels jumped on him at 13. Um, you know, I, I think there's an opportunity to get an advanced pitcher there. I, yeah, I know about the shoulder scope and all of that, but, you know, he was impressive with Tri-Valley um, or what was it? Tri-City Valley Cats uh, in the Indy mm -hmm. League. Um, Connor Prelip, the arm from Alabama would have potentially been a number one overall selection had he not required Tommy John surgery. Uh, kind of a situation like Cal Quantrill who entered the draft and was healthy by the time the draft came back around uh, during his draft season. And, you know, Prelip is healthy. He's thrown. He said to have been pressed at the uh, combine sitting low nineties um, has that nasty change. Um, I think he would be a possibility, even though they've not been linked to him, but metrically he fits what Cleveland does. Um, if they felt that they could get him under slot, I think that's going to be the key for Cleveland. Whoever they take, it's going to be under slot unless it's a clear cut player that should have been a top 10 draft pick. Otherwise I don't, I don't see them going to slot or over slot for a player. Yeah, the TJ arms are really interesting too in this draft. That that kind of throws a wrench into things at sixteen. Yeah, I guess depending on who they feel like has has value there. Okay, so we talked about college pitchers, um, high school hitters in play. We talked about Cole Young, <clears throat> Jet Williams. I know has mm -hmm. been a hot name mentioned. We like Jet Williams a lot. Um, as they go sixteen for Jet Williams, I am on board with that. Justin Crawford. Uh, interesting note today. Well, I'll I'll let you talk about Justin Crawford a little bit, but. Um, you, you brought up something in our, our Twitter DM earlier today that I thought was interesting about where he's been mentioned. Uh, well, Crawford's not really been mentioned to Cleveland until now. This is the first time that I've seen his name. And, and frankly, except I was, for you. yeah, except for me saying it. And, and that is just purely based on how I type our players, so to speak. Um, I've been talking about him. Heck, I started talking about him last year, but it, heading into this draft class saying that he was a competitive balance type of pick that would probably enter the middle of the first round um, with, with the type of um, growth that he had in the bloodlines that he comes from, I see as a, a mid first round talent. Um, that's 55 and it's going to improve as he continues to get strong. He's 6'3", 175. I think he could easily hold 190 to 200 pounds on his frame. Um, so the knock on him is power advanced defender, elite speed, you know, 70 grade speed, a player with obvious MLB bloodlines. To me, there's a lot to like. It's like, what are you sleeping on? And, and somebody said that he was uh, another Quentin Holmes. Well, it's a superior bat with better tools all around. Uh, so I don't think he is Quentin Holmes. Um, and he's a warm weather player too. Quentin Holmes didn't have the major yeah. bloodline that Crawford does. So I don't think that was a fair comparison. Yeah, so you, you mentioned him and then Keith Law did for the first time. It's the first time we've seen that. So 
wanted to point that out. Uh, yeah, Jet oh. Williams, Justin Crawford, Cole Young. Any other high, other high school hitters that I'm missing in that group that could be in play? No, there, there's really not any in that tier, so to speak. Um, but when you get into the competitive balance round, you may see a, a Mikey Romero slip, um, some knock on the arm there, and that's why he slipped down draft boards this year. A lot of people saying, oh, he's probably going to be a second baseman. Um, looking at his velocities, and I don't know if they improved over the year across the diamond, but it's typically that of a, a second baseman. He does have good instincts and good placement on the infield. Um, but otherwise, you know, if you don't have that arm strength, you're not going to stick it short long-term, um, doesn't have the frame or the power to handle third. So he'd flip over to second base, but I think he would be a potential pick at pick 37. Um, and you mentioned Justin Campbell earlier too. I, I think I'm the only one linking Cleveland to Justin Campbell. Um, I'm throwing him in there because of his age. He's young for the class junior. He has three year track record in college as a starting pitcher. Um, he has the control and command that they like. He has four pitches, which they also like. And um, he has that high arm slot that they like, uh, you know, that they drafted. I think it was nine pitchers last year with that high arm slot. Uh, so I would not be surprised if Justin Campbell was a little bit of a um, underslot pick for them at 16. I, I think that's a possibility, but nobody else is really talking about him. Yeah, and I, I looked at the video with him, and he remind. I know it's a, a weird bias, considering they're both from the same college, but he reminds me a lot of uh, Peyton Battenfield too, with the arsenal and the the arm slot. I guess maybe that's just uh, my brain connecting it unfairly, but um, I'm not a professional, so I can do that. Uh, college <laughs> hitters. So let's get into this group here. Uh, this is an interesting group because I think this is maybe the, the let's see Cleveland hasn't taken a college hitter since what Bradley Zimmer and I want to say 2014 is that the last college hitter they took in the first round uh who went to when was Tyler Nake one was he 12 that was 2012 yeah no 2012 was Clint Frazier so I think Nakewood might have been 2011 okay or 13 11 was Francisco Lindor oh you're right so 12 was Nakewood and 13 was Frazier so yeah, so I think Zimmer in 2014 was the last college hitter they took in the first round. So, um, But if they're going to do it, I don't know. This feels like the year to do it. I, I really like Drew Gilbert. Drew Gilbert, to me, as you know, I was a, a bandwagon Tennessee Volunteers fan this year. Still licking my wounds over their, their loss this season, but I'll, I'll be excited to watch next year because they've got so many good players coming back next year. But Drew Gilbert had a great year for them. Um my amateur opinion is that Drew Gilbert reminds me a lot of Will Brennan in some ways. I'm excited to see him at the next level. Uh, Zach Neto from Campbell and Eric Brown from Coastal Carolina, both shortstops. Um, look like they're going to be fits at 16 for Cleveland if they decide to go college hitter. Anybody else on that list that we should mention and any of those guys you feel very strongly about at 16? I think any of those guys are are potentially the pick. Um, Neto, I feel... Um, talking to some other people around baseball, feels like Neto doesn't make it outside of the top 10. I'll be surprised if he does. Um, I think you asked me about, or, or somebody asked about Gavin Cross. I don't see Gavin Cross getting past Detroit at 12. Uh, that's said to be his floor right now. You just never know once the draft gets going to um, what player prices are, if they're trying to work themselves down boards, teams are looking to save money. There's a lot of factors that come into play and, and you scratch your head and you ask yourself, why is this guy slipping down the board? And it could be something that they know from his physical that we don't even. Um, 
I think Chase DeLauder is a player that is going to get mentioned a lot to Cleveland. I know, um, oh, somebody mentioned Eric Brown on Twitter earlier today. And, you know, I didn't include him on my list. I probably should have because he fits their type. Um, he is a young for the class shortstop, young for the class junior uh, shortstop. Some say he's going to move over to second base. I think he has the instincts, the positioning, the arm, and, and the glove to stick at shortstop. Uh, so I think he's a legitimate possibility. I'll just keep on saying that whoever they take, this is likely to be an underslot pick at 16 to set up um, more overslot picks for the rest of their draft draft class. So underslot for sure at 16, we think. And then um, high well, school there's, arms. Some, there's some education behind that since Scott Barnsby has a three-year track record. Um, all three of his right. first round picks have been under slot picks. Yeah, I don't I don't think I, I can't remember the last thing that they've gone over slot for a player anyway. They didn't go over slot for Espino. They didn't go over slot uh, for Naylor. they go over slot for Bo Naylor. Okay, that was what, 2018? Ethan Hankins and Bo Naylor. Okay, so they went over slot there. So I guess maybe the precedent for over slot is high school player. Yep. And, I guess and un- unlikely a college goes over slot that low, I guess, in the draft. Frankly, I had both of those guys in my top 15 that year. So bringing away that sort of haul and having to go over to get both of them, they did a good job getting both of them locked up. And that's why it's so interesting when, when they pick is that their board consists of guys that they think should go in the top, you know, 10 and they get to their picks. They're like, okay, we're coming with great value here. So we're taking a guy we thought should have been taken, you know, picks ago. So that always factors in for them. Uh, High school arms. I, there's been a little bit of time to high school arms for them. Not a ton. I feel like from what I've read, Um, trying to think Robbie Snelling was one that was tied to them. We talked about him a couple of podcasts ago, maybe last week. Um, I think that's the only high school arm I can really, really believe was tied to them. Is is there somebody Uh, I'm missing? I mean, yeah, there's been quite a few um, mentioned here and there, MLB.com, Baseball America. Um, Others have mentioned their interest in particular arms. Robbie Snelling was one. Uh, Brandon Barrera was mentioned, I I believe, last week by MLB.com. That was the first time that he was mentioned other than myself mentioning him um, because he fits their type. Um, You know, I, I really like Barrera. Uh, I've said he's a left-hand version of Daniel Espino. He's not quite as physical or as strong as Espino, but he, the high velocity, four pitches, the control, um, a smaller frame with that high velocities because he was up to 99 earlier this spring, and then he took some time off to do uh, training rather than finishing out his high school season and risking injury. Um, Brock Porter was mentioned at one point in time uh, as a possibility for them. Um he would be an intriguing arm. He's older for the class, almost 19, uh, has a double plus changeup. A lot of people think it's the best changeup in the class, and he reaches mid upper 90s with his fastball. Um, so he would be a really intriguing arm. It, it would almost be a, an older version of Daniel Espino, if you will, uh, because of the power pitcher and frame that he has, the, the strength that he has in his frame. Um, there, there are others too. I think like Owen Murphy that are a possibility. Um, you know, I, I think Walter Ford would be a possibility down board, probably at pick thirty-seven or maybe fifty-four. Um, there's been players like uh, Jake Bennett linked to them at sixteen, and even Brandon Sprout um, from Kylie McDaniel uh, mentioning him. 
um, that more in indicates to me that they're fishing for a, a, a good deal at pick 16 and then going to look and see the value that they can get. And if you remember, prep arms always seem to slide on draft day. Um, and this is a class I think that is thick with prep arms, especially in the first three, four rounds. And there's a lot of quality guys and a lot of them that would fit their um, draft model. Okay, so more high school arms were linked to them than I, I originally had thought. Um, well, I pay So no chance. And you don't. <laughs> that's right. You you pay attention, so I don't have to. And Pretty much. I learn everything from you. Yeah. I Well, I thought it's fair. I told you that Andre Semenes and Jose and Class A were all-stars. You're telling me that there's high school arms like Cleveland at 16 beyond uh, Robbie Snelling. So there we go. It evened out pretty well. Um I put on there Dylan Lesko and Noah Schultz. I, I love those are guys I personally love. I guess I should have put other guys down there. Um, I know Walter Ford's an interesting I guy. Think, I think, uh, you I think Lesko. Yeah. Well, Lesko uh, is a uh, possibility. I, I will say that. I have my doubts that Lesko makes it to Cleveland. I think San Diego would pounce at 15. Um, there's rumors that the Mets are pretty hot and heavy after him as well. And the Mets have pick 11 and 14. So both of those teams being reportedly hot and heavy after him um, makes me think that there's a good possibility that Lesko is not there. I could see him as the pick. They did make that pick with uh, an injured arm in the first round back in 2015. And we know how that went for them. But this is something that Cleveland does every year, which is uh, gamble on an injured arm. Um, if I counted right, guys that have had some sort of shoulder or elbow injury since 2016, they've drafted nine pitchers with shoulder or elbow injuries that required them missing time. Um, whether that be inflammation to strains to Tommy John surgery um, or something very similar to Tommy John, uh, I, I think that shows their confidence in their ability to rehabilitate players. I know that they've mentioned that numerous times before, their their ability to, to rehabilitate injured players out in Arizona at the complexes that they have there and how that they trust their trainers to do, you know, do that with these players, how they partner with these players and bring them back to health, so to speak. And we saw them do that with a fourth-round pick last year in Ryan Webb, and, you know, we see him healthy and back in Lynchburg now, so... Um, don't be surprised if they grab one of the injured arms, but I think you get value from your injured arms by waiting and getting a first rounder later, maybe a Peyton Pallet or a Hunter Barco. Uh, Landon Sims would be really fun. Even Henry Williams from Duke um, would be another one that they, I think they could get um, possibly in the third or fourth round or, or even a little bit later than that. Yeah, Dylan Lesko would be kind of a, like you said, if he even gets there, would be kind of a, I don't want to say a reach, but you're not you're not waiting for value there. But you are picking a guy that you know no no high school right hander has ever gone one one obviously in the draft, but um, and he wasn't going to this year I don't think, but he was you know a top ten talent. He still may be, yeah. But he's as um, good as arm as any, and wouldn't be there if he was healthy. And he may not be, but an interesting way to take the swing, I guess, if you decide that you you trust the medicals and you trust your ability to rehabilitate if you think you're getting a top ten talent at sixteen overall. And a lot of teams aren't scared of elbow injuries as they once were. A, a lot of pitchers will come back as strong, if not stronger, than prior to the injury. Um, I think Baseball America had a report out that said 75% of pitchers um, will will actually end up um, 
recovering and either appearing at the level that they had or exceeding their prior level um, you know, of experience. So essentially, so they're getting back to health or exceeding the health that they had before, assuming that they make it for a higher uh, a level. Yeah, you've got, you know, a lot of success cases. You do have some Brady Akins, but those, you know, the medical reports are always different on them. So we will see. All right. Um, I don't have anything else for draft. I know we were going to talk about maybe some picks at 37, but you mentioned, you know, some of the guys that could fall there. Um, if you want to really quickly, I want, I don't know, we, we've already kind of hit past the hour mark and. We had some questions. Anybody else you want to mention at 37 and 54 real quick that you haven't mentioned yeah. yet? Um, I think Hunter Barco would be a real possibility for them. Uh, Jonathan Cannon is a name to remember to me at, at um, 37 or 54. Uh, Dalton Rushing would be an interesting catcher for them, a guy that gets hit by pitches. Jake Bennett is a guy I think that they would be on at pick 37. Um, I've heard a couple of Washington pitchers that are a little bit older linked to them, which is um, – Oh, gee whiz. I lost the one here. Um, Jackson Cox is who I was thinking of. And um, to a lesser extent, I, I have not heard any Ian Ritchie. So I said that wrong. It was one of the Washington arms that I heard linked to them. A couple of left-handers I think that they'll look at in, in the second round if they're there. Parker Messick, um, Bryce Hubbard, guys to know. A lot of people have mentioned Drew Thorpe as a possibility in that second round. I, I agree with that. Um I'll throw out the name Brady Neal as the catcher from the prep ranks of Florida as a possibility for an overslot in second round. And I'll even throw in um, Gavin Killen, the shortstop from Wisconsin as a potential overslot type of kid in the third round. I do like Brady Neal. I remember talking about him. He's an LSU commit, right? Brady Neal. Yep. Yeah. Going to be interesting to see with him if he gets to college because LSU was doing some crazy things this year. So I'm very interested in him. All right, so the draft is Sunday. Make sure you're following Willie for all draft stuff. Uh, more content this week. I know you guys have part two of your mock coming out um, tomorrow, and you have some other stuff. The top one, the top 150 rankings are on the draft page now with links to every other draft piece Willie has done this year, whether it's through us or um, in with the guys at Northside Bound, the mock drafts there, all his big board. All that stuff's all on one page. You can access it all. Some of the mock drafts are insider only. So as Willie said, this is the time to sign up. See that. See all the other stuff that's on the site, you know, the game reports and the, the prospect uh, scouting reports, the draft stuff. Um, if you want to do questions? We want to skip questions this week. What do you think? Oh, let's do the questions. I, I did mention, or I did forget to mention one player, uh, Carson Wisenhunt, oh. who was a teammate of Gavin Williams, oh, yeah. Ray Benton, and Seth Cadell. It's a possibility for them. Um Possibly at 16, more likely at 37. It just depends. Yeah, big fan of Carson Wilson. I'm very interested in, in that profile as well. So another guy. All right, let's get to questions. Some rapid fire here. We'll go through these quickly because Hiram had a lot this week. Best spot for Will Brennan to hit? Uh, I don't know. Probably, I would think long term, maybe. If, what's that? In Cleveland. In Cleveland. Best spot for him to hit is in Cleveland. I don't know. Columbus is a pretty hitter-friendly ballpark, so maybe Columbus. Um, I would prefer if he were hitting in Cleveland. Or I, I, I want to see him in Cleveland. Whatever, whatever city the Guardians are in that week, that's where he should hit. I like it. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, I had to guess where Planez and Prees will be in our rankings. Well, I'll tell you. I'll put other celebrity right now. Alexi Planez is 35th in our rankings, and Micah Prees is 27th. 
Uh, might be a little high for Priest. I don't know. He's had a good month. We'll see what happens. Uh, Planez, I don't know, could be another Oscar Gonzalez, as we talked about. Um, Willie, who do you prefer? Gabrielarius or Brian Rocchio? I would say Brian Rocchio. Brian Rocchio. Yeah, I agree. Better bat. Uh, Will Benson, is he a late bloomer? Yes, I believe he is. Don't know how much upside or how much uh, it all translates to major league level, but he is a late bloomer. Thoughts? Yes? Yes, I said uh, Benson was a seven-year development player uh, when drafted, which would put him in his age 25 season. He's 24, so he's right along those lines, um, maybe performing a little bit better than I thought he would. Yeah, development's not linear, especially when it comes to high school hitters and power hitters. Those guys take forever to develop. Um, how long before we see Nick Enright? I don't, I don't know. He he was solid. He's been kind of iffy. Um, pitching in AAA has not been good for Cleveland this year, so uh, I don't think we'll see him anytime in the future. He's not on the forty, which makes it even harder. Yep. Do you think we'll see him any sooner? Uh, injuries or COVID. It'd be the only thing, yeah, I, that's the only thing I, think I see him coming up um, at this point. And then he also wants to know where Tanner Bybee is in our rankings. Tanner Bybee is all the way up to number 13. He didn't even appear on our rankings before the season. So uh, big leap for Tanner Bybee. Thanks for the questions, Hiram. Um, let's see. I think we had one from Nunzio Izzo, of course. Uh, he was confused about Mercado and Call, but I think we kind of answered that already. Um, yeah. We talked about Morris and Hankins, where they were going to sign. I think Morris will go right to Columbus once he's ready to pitch. Hankins, I think Willie thought that he would maybe go through the system a little bit and build his way back up. Um, I think ultimately Hankins lands at Lake County and maybe Akron at some point this year. Yep. And then, I, I think um, he makes at least two stops. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. I think either Lake County or, or Akron. And Lake County probably the first one if he makes another stop. Um, MK also wanted to know, do you think the guardians will, this is for you, Willie. Uh, do you think the guardians will focus more on drafting high school players this year in the middle rounds being, they took so many college pitchers last year and the strength of their system is at the higher levels right now. Uh, they drafted two high schoolers last year, Jake Fox, Tommy Ventimiglia. I think there's a good chance they draft three or more this year. I don't think it's really going to change their approach. Um, Word is they just missed on some players that were in high schoolers that they wanted and went the college route when the guy that they wanted wasn't there. Yeah, I do think that uh, I think they got pushed out of of, uh, some guys. They thought, you know, we thought they were going to take James Triantos. They didn't. That was one Mm -hmm. of them. So I think it really just depends on. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It was another one. I think for sure that depends on who's there. I don't think they necessarily target a specific guy. class or group i think that's just if the guy they like it that pick is there then they take them that's they build their board and they go they i think they stick to their board most of the time it would be my yep. guess so we'll see who's on their board i'll, then, I'll uh, just if they get to three or more high schoolers this year but I, i'll go with a safe <laughs> number of three <laughs> okay three out three out of 21 becomes high school players i can i can agree with that i can see that happening it's going to be a weird year this is going to be everybody on twitter i saw joe doyle from prospects live saying that this is the year he's convinced the most chaos is going to happen in the draft. I think he's right. This is a weird draft. There's, I agree. Yeah. The Tommy John is what, to me, what throws the wrench into it. I don't know. There's um, so many players from 1 to 75 that are very similar in quality and talent that uh, I think you you have that amount of depth. You have those injuries in there. There's a lot of wild cards, but you also have 
the combine factor, which is a 75% guarantee for any player that took the physical in the combine. Now we've heard over a hundred players of the 300 who played in the combine or participated in the combine rather hundred of those players where one third did not take the physical. So we don't know which players did not at this point, but if you're seeing a kid drafted and you're seeing, you think he'd be way down the board, it's likely a money saver pick there. Um, there's expected to be a lot of um, deal cutting because of the because of the quality mm. and the quantity of 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 talent uh, in those first few rounds. So I will not be surprised. You know, like I said, Cleveland goes under slot if a lot of teams make deals um, and come back and pick up players that shouldn't be there in later rounds. Yeah, I would say that there's not a lot of top. It's it's not a very top heavy draft. There's not a lot of high end talent. But it's a deeper draft in terms of, you know, quality depth. Mm-hmm. I guess it's just, it, it, yeah. There's not a lot of stars, but there's definitely a a, a deep class of interesting players for sure. Um, all right, player of the week picks Willie. Last week you took Nolan Jones, and you said his debut should count, and that's a big <laughs> accomplishment. Hunter Hunter Gad, you took Hunter Gaddis. He had kind of a a clunker this week. Uh, Tanner Bybee five. Sh- I took Tanner Bybee five shutout innings and. In, in, his Akron debut with a walk and six strikeouts and Alexia Flanez had a couple home runs this week and extended his hitting streak to 21 games. And, and Willie, he worked his second walk of the season this week. So, whoa, <laughs> I, so he doubled his I, think walk rate. Good I mean, you, you may actually win on that, Justin, because Flanez doubled his walk rate. He did double his walk rate and he hit two home runs and he's got a 21 game hit streak, despite the fact that his walk rate this year is 1.1%. I don't My know. whole I'll, argument I'll based, is based on Nolan Jones' um, appearance with the Guardians this week, and really, that's what the minor league is all about—is feeding that major league club. Please vote for right. Nolan Jones and Hunter Gaddis, and vote Willie, or vote against Hunter, Hunter Gaddis. Give up <laughs> Hunter Gaddis. Only, only struck out two, and he gave up five runs in five innings. I don't know. I'll put it to a vote because I'm not. You, I'm not giving you all of that about uh, Lindor and all of that. If that gets me votes, you meant that. <laughs> oh geez, never mind. Never mind. Oh, now right. we're getting political. You know what? <laughs> just yeah, just take pity on me, okay? I'm two and seven against you guys this year. You and and John and Megan are, are six and three, and I'm two and seven. So you, I need. Hey, you took it last year, though. I'm not going to have it this year. Yeah, that's true. I did. I did have a good year last year, uh, picking each week. Well, Although we had more people world, picking, you know. Yes, that was a, a good one. Um, who are you going to take this week? I'll, I'll let you have the first pick because I'm com- I'm so confident. Even though they picked the first uh, first the last couple weeks because you felt bad that I've been losing, but I am so confident that I am going to win this week. I'm going to let you pick first. I'm going to go with Will Brennan and Xavion Curry. Man. You You're were not taking both no, of those, no, <laughs> no, no, no sleepers. I don't know. I, I feel like early in the year and last year we used to take like under the radar, like, oh, maybe this guy will have a good week. And, now it's just like, no, we're taking guys from the top of the system. We're taking guys that are playing well, and we're not deviating. Um, you know what? That's fine. Okay, I, I, I know we were. I can deviate. Um, no, it's okay. You're good. You're good. I wasn't going to take either of those guys. You're good. Um, I I know we were going to follow our prospect uh, draft um, sheet, and I don't have it in front of me, so I'm going to just go off script here. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with um, – you know, I'm going to go with Bo Naylor. You know what? I need I need the win. I need to catch up, and Bo Naylor has been crushing it in AAA. I'm taking Bo Naylor. 
And I think I am going to take... Who am I going to take for pitchers? You know what? I'll take Jack Leftwich. He had a good first game for Lake County last week. He's got And Jack Leftwich has two starts this week. So that could either be really good for me or it could or be bad. really bad. So it could be bad. <laughs> I, so, I think you may have, uh, yeah, you may have hoodwinked me with uh, the Leftwich getting two starts this week. Yeah. Well, if one's good, one's bad, then they cancel each other out. Or if both are bad, I'm, I'm in trouble. And if both are good, I win. So this is a... Uh, putting all my eggs in one basket here. So Jack, don't let me down. I need the wins. All right. Uh, you know, um, I was going to go with Leftwich before I said Curry. And uh, I thought you were going to go with Leftwich and I felt sorry for you because you have only won <laughs> twice this year. So there's that. Yeah. That's pretty unbelievable. We're in July and I have two wins. That's a pretty bad streak. I, I don't know. It's been I, a weird I think year. You've tried to vary more and I've just tried to stay with some of the same players that I like. So that's true. You have, you have, and that maybe that's part of our prospect draft. I'll have to revisit that sometime in August. Our prospect draft, see how that's going, because um, that Is was that a lot a of fun. Our most listen- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it should be. That's been our most popular draft. Our most popular podcast this year was our. Uh, was our the prospect draft? Well, that's cool. that is going to be an annual thing for as long as you and I do this now. Well, you, our first or our last? Is that what you're saying? No, it's just going to be every year now. I don't know. I, I have well, no plans. That's what I'm to win, yeah. We're retiring after the yeah. season, guys. Oh, I, oh, if, oh I see. If, if you win, you're going on top. I see how it's going to happen. Okay. <laughs> wow. I gave you a chance after, after winning I'm, last I'm year. I'm Andrew Luck. You know, I hit age 30 and it's time to retire. Oh, I hit age 30 a couple years ago and I didn't quit. So this is why I'm losing this year, clearly. I should have I should have done better. All right. We've rambled long enough. Thanks for getting to the end of the podcast. If you did, um, as Willie said, if you're not subscribing to the site, you should do it right now because um, it's five bucks and you can um, hang out for the rest of the month. It's July 10th, July 11th. So until August 11th, you can read all of Willie's draft stuff. You can read all of our stuff from early in the season and um, you can get all of our game reports from all the affiliates as well. So very good value this month. Uh, July is often our best month of the year at the site in the last two years. Not No surprise. So uh, I expect it to be the case again this year. So we'll see what happens. But um, we'll get back at you next. I don't know if we're going to do a podcast next Monday because what round round two and I forget how many rounds are on two on Tuesday next week or Monday. It's uh, two through ten. Yeah. So I think we might do Willie. I think if, if you have time, depends on how your schedule works out next week. I think we will probably push the podcast back to midweek next week, whatever your schedule allows. And we will just do a uh, draft recap podcast. How does that sound? Uh, something more on the back end of the week would work for me. Yeah, we could make that work for sure. I don't have any plans. Um, I don't think anything next Friday at this point or Thursday. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go off that. We'll see how the draft goes from there. So. Uh, stay tuned next week. We'll keep you updated on the, on the podcast and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, some date next week when we talk about draft stuff. So really, I'm Justin. Thanks for listening to us ramble for an hour and 20 minutes and uh, we hope you come back.